Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. And the more you talk about that, the more the firm's going to like. So I'm willing to work in the way anybody wants me to work. Necessarily write very well at everything. I'm not on the side of one right. group against another. You just need to avoid it. And I can think of so many examples. I remember there was a in my first firm, there was a Quinn Emanuel, there was a guy that was up for partner and he didn't make partner, but he was working very hard. So a lot of people, when they wouldn't make partner, would be angry. They would leave the firm. They would, they would, you know, take, give people bad vibes, all these sorts of things. So instead of uh, doing that, he decided that he was billing like 3,000 hours a year, that he was going to work even harder and dedicate himself even harder. Now, the firm typically would make uh, partners once a year. I don't know if it was in September or whenever it was, but it's something like that, maybe September. And, and we would have this partnership meeting where they would decide who's going to partner. Instead of getting mad and so forth, he decided he was going to help the firm even more and build even more hours. So in October, he built 400 hours. In, in November, he built 400 hours. In December, he built 400 hours. And then they were like, this is insane. Like he's on track to build almost 5,000 hours a year. This is how he's reacted to not making partner. And um, so they called a special meeting where they've never done that before and they made him partner. So the idea is, is that the more you support, and I'm not suggesting anybody work those kind of hours, but the more you seem as someone that's going to support others, life supports life. If you're giving of yourself, if you're bringing in business, if you're doing all these things to support uh, your firm, then the firm will support you. And so it's just very important to approach things that way. In what ways can lateral hires demonstrate their interest in a new firm is motivated by alignment with the firm's mission rather than external factors like higher pay and higher balance. So yeah, so you don't talk about pay. You talk about things that that you like about the firm and you don't even have to say things you like about the firm. You, if the firm, if you're interviewing for something in a practice area and you talk about how you like your practice area and how you, you do this and you do that. And, and and so you try to be as supportive. You try to make sure that the, the firm understands how much you like that, like this and how you're excited to go someplace that, that does more of the type of work that you want to do, how uh, all these sorts of things. And the more you talk about that, the more the firm's going to like you. So you need to make sure that you're talking about those things rather than other things that may not uh, be as that that may make the firm think you're just there for higher pay or work-life balance. You need to come across as having enthusiasm for the work, making the firm think that you're moving that they're moving there because it's a better fit. Coming up with reasons that the law firm is someplace where um, where you can achieve your goals. But these are all good questions too, by the way. Thank you. And this is uh, honestly one of the favorite times of week because I think it's a good chance to. Um, help people um, that may not know these things. And so it's very useful. Okay, does the timeline between the final interview and hiring decision often indicate the firm's level of interest in the candidate? For instance, should I be concerned that I haven't heard back from in a week? Okay, so this is a good question. People uh, do screening interviews and they don't hear anything for a few weeks. People, people will do a final interview and weeks could go by before the firm notifies them there's an offer or not. And so why is that? It's a good question. So one of the reasons is that the, the partners may not, people may not return in the reviews. They may be thinking about it. They may just be disorganized. They may have a hard time getting people's schedules to line up. You just don't know. So that's one thing. The next thing is 
that many times a law firm will be interviewing multiple people for the job. So they may bring in four or five people for second rounds or even more, and they're trying to decide, or they may have people scheduled. Maybe you interview on um, October 15th, and then someone else is scheduled to interview for the for a second round on October 30th. And then maybe a good candidate comes along in the interim that even looks better on paper than you. So they decide they want to interview that person. So not all law firms will make decisions right away. Uh, sometimes they're interviewing multiple people. Sometimes uh, you may interview, they may interview for, they may do a second round interview with you. They may do a second round interview with someone a few days later. They may make that person offer a week later, but they're still keeping you warm because if that person doesn't accept the offer, they'll make you the offer. So you just don't know. It's nothing to worry about. Sometimes, uh, a lot of times what happens is they're interviewing you because they think they're going to get this big matter coming in that'll take a lot of work, would be a lot of work for you. And instead of the matter coming in that doesn't, and because it doesn't materialize, you are unable to you know, that they're not interested in hiring you, but maybe they're going to wait. So there's just so much that goes on. But I would say that uh, uh, one of the things that I would just stress is that this just happens a lot. Sometimes firms will ghost you. Sometimes you'll go on a, I've had instances where I've, where I've seen people go on a second round interview and the firm just never responds, just nothing. So I know it's important to you, but the reason you don't want to make a big deal about this, and this is this is an important point. And I hope everyone, this is another point that I think could change your interviewing and stuff if you're not doing it. There's the idea of being in demand. Law firms love it when when you look like you're in demand. So what does that mean? That means that, sorry, I'm just writing this down. So what does it mean? So if you go out on a date uh, with someone and in and I don't know, and you're expecting, however the dynamic is with this person, maybe they're expecting you to call them and sort of them calling you. And so I'm not going to get into this male, female type stuff. But if you, if someone's waiting for someone to call them and the person doesn't call after a first date, then that's it. So there's not really, there, there's no reason to follow up uh, and say, why didn't you call me? There's, you just can't do that. It doesn't work. I remember once I met this woman, it was a funny story. I met this woman at a party and and I really liked her. And and but I I don't know, she was friends with someone that worked for me and it was her ex-boyfriend, I think. And so I was like, this is not I can't get involved in this. And but anyway, so this but I thought maybe he this guy was moving out of town or something and quitting his job. I said, maybe I'll maybe I'll talk to her after this. But in, in the interim, like she, I was in my house one night and going to bed and she was standing outside my window and I was like, what the hell? And, and that scared me. So obviously that was not something I was interested in anymore. Not obviously, but, but the thing is I just closed the shades and went to bed. And, but the point here is, is that if you receive, if you seem desperate, if you seem like you don't have other opportunities, if you seem like you're not in demand, then that's just a turnoff. People are going to be turned off. So if the firm thinks that you really, if you, the firm is in control, they're either they call you back for a, a, to get together or they don't. And so you can't really worry about it. Another thing people do is they're like, oh, I have this other offer. Sometimes that works and I need to decide. And that's something. But anytime I, one of the things that I'm really good at in recruiting is I'm really good at making sometimes the law firms feel like they're in demand and they're really hard to get into. And candidates making them feel like 
uh, the law firm's really hard to get into, or the, the law firm's really hard to get into, and the law firm feeling like it's very important not to to bring some, to have I don't know to have a certain type of person, and this person's really rare in the market. So when people think that, they're they're much more likely to be interested. So you have to make yourself feel in demand. You have to make people think that you're interviewing with this firm, or maybe, but or maybe. You have all these other firms that want to interview, but you're more interested in this interview. And, and you should be, you have to feel like you're in demand, just like you would approach, you, you have to appear desirable and you can't appear desperate because if you appear desperate, the law firm is going to be like, wait a minute, why, why is this person desperate? And so you just have to be very careful with that. And, and it's just, I hate to bring it up in that way, but you, you don't want people to feel like you're desperate. You need to feel like in demand because the more in demand you make yourself be, more in demand seem to people, the more likely they are to, uh, to to be interested in you. So being in demand makes them interested in you. Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not going to find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today. I've got a lot of examples of this, but when in relationships, if you're if someone that you're interested in a relationship with, you realize that all these other people are interested in them, suddenly you're more interested in them, and that's just how it works. So, if you are interested in dating someone, and and all these other people are trying to date the same person and the person chooses you, then that person's more attractive for whatever reason. So that's just how people think and think about your own uh, relationships. Think about this is how attorneys recruit. They want to feel like the person they're hiring is in demand. They got a good person. Okay. So how in an era of increasing AI and automation, how are law firms weighing traditional legal skills against technological proficiency during the hiring process? Should I as an attorney place more emphasis on showcasing my adaptability to new technologies. I don't think that's that important, but again, I'm not an expert in AI. Uh, I certainly use it to some extent, but I think that talking, if it, people bring it up, you can talk about it with enthusiasm and how it can be used, but say I'm willing to work in the way anybody wants me to work. Uh, people will often talk about it in interviews where they're writing briefs and stuff with it and how that I don't know how sites wrong cases or cases don't exist and so forth. But what I would recommend is just if it comes up, bring it up. Uh, but a lot of times partners won't like it because people are used to doing things in a traditional way. And if you want to do things in a different way, then uh, that may be threatening to them. And so you just, you need to talk about it to the extent people bring it up. And if they do bring it up, you need to be prepared to talk about it. So you should understand it and you need to have a level of enthusiasm and talk about how it can get better results. And, but you don't want to show up people that may not understand about it. So younger people often will have different skills than older people, but older people a lot of times will value those skills. 
but you have to be careful because a lot of times they feel like what they're doing is the right way to do things. Um, I'll just tell you a funny story. When I started recruiting, which was a long time ago, but it's 24 or five years ago, there were no articles or anything on recruiter websites. They just had these websites and they were just, they just talked about how great they were. And then, and then I started putting on articles and advertising the internet and uh, doing all these things. And, and the difference between what I was doing and other recruiters were doing was like night and day. And, and I started using all these new technologies and databases. And I, I couldn't, with older attorneys, other older recruiters, they were used to calling, code calling, working on one job at a time, all this sorts of stuff. And that honestly is something that no longer was working. And I was able to become very successful doing new things. So I think, and start this firm because no one else was doing this at the moment. I'm not saying there's anything special what I'm doing about now, but I just, I saw the market in a different way. It's the same thing for you to understand with with AI is that that's very powerful. It's something, it's a game changer. But if you're interviewing with older people that may not understand that, you need to be very careful about showing them up, about talking about things they don't like, do, about um, acting overly confident, let's say I'm learning about this and this, but um, not making them feel stupid. Because I think it's that powerful that if a young attorney is talking to an older attorney and understands it, that you can make the person feel stupid and not necessarily like you. It's very um, important. These are good questions. I like these questions where there's a lot of, a lot of words and thought. Let's go. Okay. I recently decided to withdraw an application with slightly more prestigious from the interview after a very short time with my current firm. They started off very interested, but things cooled. And it was a few weeks before I heard back. I'm also doing extremely well in the current firm in terms of the people I'm working with and overall volume level work for my class here. Did I make a mistake in Burnabridge? Firm for your employer isn't the right mood to stay put. Okay, so I recommend, I, I'm a recruiter, but I recommend just a slightly more prestigious firm isn't that big of a deal. I would not I would not have withdrawn my application. I would have tried to get an offer. And then when you got the offer, I would maybe not take it. Or if you didn't get the offer, then ask if you can come back and apply again. That That would have been how I would have handled it. When you withdraw an application, it just sends them. That's just not what people always do. It's it's okay, but it almost makes it look like you're scared that you might not have gotten an offer. So I, I wouldn't have done that, but it doesn't mean anything. Law firms have short memories. So if you were to apply in two or three years, there might be completely different people there. So it's not something uh, you really need to work, worry about. But this is just very good, your question. I, would, I think it's always better to stay at your current firm if you're doing well. Because what that does is it's if, if you are doing well and compared to others, because law firms, it's just, again, I'm in the business of moving people, but I just want to be completely straight, straight with you that if you are able to stay at your current employer, the longer you do that, actually, the more marketable you're going to be in the long run. Someone that stays at their firm five years and doesn't move looks like they're loyal. It looks like you're going to stick around. It looks like you can be trusted. It looks like you can get along with people. So people will leave for all sorts of reasons. I'll just give myself as an example. If I I'm, I can work in law firms and I can do good work, and but I'm more like entrepreneurial minded. Uh, I would be um, a very bad hire. I would stay in place like a year or two, and then I would think about going to another place. And and that's not good. A law firm shouldn't hire people like that. Uh, I wouldn't. And staying put in a place means you're committed to the practice, like you're willing to learn, like you can be trusted with clients, all these sorts of things. And, and if you do move, 
maybe you, then you when you move to a much more prestigious firm, but not maybe or a place you can get different types of work. But keep in mind, if you move, you're starting from ground zero. You're starting from ground zero in terms of your relationships. You're starting from ground zero in terms of establishing trust. You're starting from ground zero in terms of being able to do the type of work that the firm does and being and knowing how to work with different people and learning about clients and being trusted. So many times, I'm just being honest with you, you're much better off staying in a firm if you're doing well. There's no reason to move, not even for a little more prestigious firm. And you're also people that make partner and so forth. That the firm loves the loves people that are loyal and stick around and, and you have more security at your current firm if you stay around. So there's so many reasons to stay at a firm if you're doing well now if you can move to a much more prestigious firm and there's more opportunity and more income then yeah why not but but you have to be careful like what are my future opportunities going to look like if i move firms because that's not really always then your best option like i would just be very careful many times about leaving your firm so i just i say that because i think this is just my opinion but i think i'm right um, the attorneys that are happiest practicing law are, and the ones that do the best practicing law um, often are the ones that are the most stable. So it's just how it is. You know, you stick with a group of people that they become your tribe. You understand them. They understand you and everything just comes together and you do really well. I really recommend for everyone, if you can, staying with your current firm really as long as you can if you're doing okay. Now, if there's an incredible opportunity where your salary is going to be doubled and there's more or increased by 50% and, and you want that firm for different reasons, then it's okay to move. Like there's certain ideas, certain things that are good for moving. For example, if you want to be in-house and you 100% know that's what you want and you can get a job at a much more prestigious firm, that's going to make it easier for you to go in-house because in-house companies, the best ones hire people from the biggest firms because they're the ones they use for the work and then they feel like they're getting a better deal. But you just need to just be very careful about that. So I'm, this is I've written articles about staying with your current firm. I would review those. Yeah, we're for some partners who clearly taken a liking to me and had a lot of influence in my firm. One is difficult. She he does not know the standard of review for dispositive motions. They are also very adamant. They're correct and very sensitive. Uh, they often rewrite motions to include personal attacks against the other side, which once led to sanctions. I want to help this person stay in their graces. What can I do? Uh, to fix them. So you need to, this is a simple question. You need to take their side. That's it. You need to take their side. They need to feel, they, they need to feel you, you have their back and, and you can't, you don't want to criticize them, make them feel criticized, make them feel criticized and so forth. You just need to be very careful about all that. Uh, you just can't, you just can't do it. You, you have to be very careful. So you just need to be very careful with all that. So that's pretty much the answer. You just can't, you, you can't make people feel stupid. If you do, then you're in trouble. So I, I was once at this firm and I shouldn't say, but I'm a, I'm not bragging here, but I'm pretty decent when it comes to motions. I'm a, I write very well. I don't necessarily write very well at everything. I'm not a perfect writer, and but with motions, I used to be very good at them. And it's just something I took to. So I was hired by this firm to basically work with a partner that was very well known as a lit good litigator, but literally couldn't work. He would, or couldn't write, he would write sentences and 
he would just leave obvious words out so they wouldn't be complete. And then he couldn't effectively put his thoughts on paper. But when it came to talking in person and and he was incredible. So he was a very good attorney. Like he was he literally, I don't think ever had lost a case. He may have been having a judgment against his client. He'd settled things, and but never lost a case. But I would never in a million years bring up that he wasn't a good writer. I wouldn't tell people that. I wouldn't tell a secretary that. I wouldn't make him think that. I wouldn't mark up his work in a way that would show all that. I would just do it in, in a way that I would make the corrections, but I wouldn't even tell him I was making the corrections. And then he would read it and see and see how good it was and and if he wrote something do you want to grow your legal career a lateral move might be the right choice to get you on track for your career goals working with a legal placement firm like bcg attorney search can open doors for you and help you live the life you dream of if you're looking for a new legal job send us your resume so we can help visit www.bcgsearch.com and click on submit resume to be paired with one of our legal placement professionals who will work tirelessly on your behalf to get you your dream legal job. Submit your resume to www.bcgsearch.com to get started today. The idea is there's going to be partners that you always work with that aren't necessarily uh, good at things. Like they, they have blind spots. And so you cannot bring that to their attention. You just have to support them and, and fix their problems or or, you know, and that's it. You don't want to make people feel insecure and people, different people are have different levels of insecurity. So you just need to be really on top of all that and, and do what you can to, to not, uh, you know, to, to, to not bring that to their attention and to not criticize people. If you make people feel good. I once had this partner that I worked with that was just like you were talking about. He was incredibly uh, caustic and into the other sides and was really good at fighting with opposing counsel and undermining them. And I just really loved it. And so people would work with him and just be like disgusted with it. And, and then he wouldn't like them back and wouldn't give them work and, and wouldn't support them. And then I worked with him and I just basically told him how cool he was, how funny this stuff was. And he loved me. And, and literally it's been four years since I worked in the law or 26 or whatever, since I worked in this law firm, and the guy sends me Christmas cards with with a one-page write-up about his family and what they did every year, every year. He loved that I took his side and when other people didn't. So you can't um, be upset about this. You have to support the partners. You have to not take the side of others that are against them and just be very neutral. And, and, and to the extent you say things, don't say anything negative. I'm in this business group. I'm like president of it and or chair or whatever. And and I had to pick the the person for to be the chair for the next year. And and after picking them, the person did a lot of stuff that I thought was maybe not again, I'm not necessarily right about it. And they didn't do anything legal or anything. They just there were certain events and things that they were in charge of that didn't go off. And so I told a couple senior people about this that were outside the group and advising us. And they literally just didn't say anything. They were just not taking sides. They were they were just neutral. They told stories and things, but they didn't take sides. And those are very smart. You just don't get involved in a lot of this stuff. You don't take sides. You don't want to um, come across as someone that does that. And if you do that, you're going to be much better off than people that don't do that. And it's just very helpful to never take sides in any dispute. Don't take sides in, in anything. If anything, make the people feel supported and 
I don't get involved in politics. Since I was talking to this one firm, I went into this firm once for an interview. It was, I'd only been practicing for six months and, uh, and, uh, and I shouldn't have gone in the interview, but it was like an entertainment law firm in LA. And these guys were representing all these movie stars and studios and stuff. And I had a friend that worked there and I was like, wow, this sounds totally cool. And so I went into the interview and, and it went well, the first couple of people I interviewed with. And, um, and, but then I got into this one interview and this uh, partner was just incredibly caustic, like just really mean like he was just saying these things that were like basically you're a loser for interviewing with me six months why would you betray your firm and i was like wow this guy's freaking a a maniac like i just really hate him and so i after that interview i went into another interview with some associates and i was like i just gotta go i'm out of here like i i didn't like the firm and decided that after that person being treated it's just horrible some of the stuff he was saying like I was, I was shocked and I went home. I was like so upset, like even at the end of the day that I got on my couch and I think dogs like can sense when you're really upset with something and my dog came up who wasn't that friendly of a dog and kept kissing me and cuddling and I, and it was just, I that was that shocked by this interview. But anyway, so then I kept in touch with my friend and, and then like a, a couple of years later, he said, that guy's been fired and a whole group of uh, other attorneys left because they got on the wrong side of some issue. I don't know if he got the end. And so he went from being like one of the most powerful per- partners in the firm to on the outs. And so what does that mean? It just means that if you get involved in different things and you get involved in different groups and, and you're seen as on one side of an issue in terms of another side of an issue, then you're in trouble. So you don't, to the extent you can get around it, you don't want to play these political games or be on people's side because you don't want people uh, disliking you. You need to be like Switzerland and in the middle of things. So you can support different partners, but you don't want to be on the side of one group against another. You just need to avoid it. And, and yeah. Okay. Can you briefly discuss our interviewing new firm for a partner position as a senior associate with a partner position? Partner position. Okay. I'm assuming this means interviewing for a partner position as interviewing with a new firm for an associate position. Okay, so when you're interviewing for partner this partner position, partner positions are actually uh, much easier. Now there's some firms like Gibson Dunn where you have to be liked by all the partners and you interview tons of them to become a partner. But a partner position is essentially, it's about depending on the firm, but in most cases you have to have business. It's essentially about the amount of business you have and and how much of your how much of, of your collection, I'm just being very direct here, you are willing to give the firm. So what does that mean? So this is this is the basics of it. It's a lot more than that. It's it's about fit and stuff, but it's really about money a lot of cases. So if you have this is just how it works, and this is a high number, if you have five million in business. Some firms will pay you, some firms may pay, pay you 1.5 million. Uh, others might pay you a million, all that sort of thing. So it, it just, it differs. And so this is a lot of what it's about. Uh, it's not always about this, but that's a lot of what it's about. Or if you don't have business, it's about your future ability to, to, um, to, to get business. Now these are for kind of equity type uh, roles. Or it's about it's about if you're if you're interviewing as for a partner that's like an income partner would be more about more about your ability 
to do this certain type of work and maybe bring in business later. So this is really what kind of the partner roles are about. It's more about uh, the firm has uh, power. They they want to know how much of your business you have, how much you to share, to share the level of support you need, all this sorts of stuff. So they're basically interviewing you and asking, can they make money off you? And you're asking, can I make money off that? And then how, uh, and, and how willing you are to share resources, to bring people in, to bring clients, and then how much they trust that. That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com.